0: Super stoked to have Distro Kids sponsoring the podcast and can't thank them enough for their support of this thing. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Produce Row Cafe in Portland, Oregon. This spot offers free live music every Thursday night throughout the summer from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. and Sunday brunch tunes from noon to 2 p.m. with DJs spinning vinyl Lots of dance parties both day and night are on the summer calendar as well, featuring events from Global Based and other promoters. They are located in inner southeast Portland, and aside from offering free music every week on their patio, they've got a killer brunch menu on Saturdays and Sundays. The migas and the breakfast sandwich are lights out, and the lunch and dinner menu doesn't slack either come through and check out some tunes over there at Produce Row Cafe as well as their new summer seasonal cocktail menu. This is a great spot to grab some food and some drinks and enjoy some tunes with friends or family. Appreciate Produce Row being a supporter of the podcast and the local Portland music community. Now let's start the show.
1: Look down
0: at the uh i <laughs> 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 What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening, thanks for checking out the show. You can find fresh episodes coming at you every Tuesday. And if you want to help support this thing in a free way, you can do so by clicking subscribe on iTunes, clicking write a review, giving the podcast five stars if you feel like it is deserving of so. And that will help propel this thing into the tops of those iTunes charts, which will give it more visibility on the national and international levels, helping strangers find the podcast and just a great way to contribute to the growth and sustainability of this thing. Appreciate the hell out of all the folks that have already taken the time to do so. If you're not listening on Apple, just hit like, follow, subscribe, wherever you are listening from. Tell a friend about the podcast I've also been dropping some monthly playlists every first of the month that you can find on Apple and Spotify, trying to keep those playlists pretty spread out genre-wise, trying to keep them pretty wide. It's a mix of uh, new music, music that's new to me, and also just a snapshot of things I'm listening to throughout the month and some tracks that are making it into my dj sets as of late speaking of dj sets i've got uh, the next couple friday nights if you're in the portland oregon area august 12th and august 19th i will be over at satellite tavern in north portland from 6 p.m to 8 p.m hanging out on the patio Getting hot out there, so come through for some food and some tunes. I'll drop my Instagram link in the episode notes as well at Dan Cable Presents so you can uh, keep up with me there of uh, DJ sets or anything else that I have got going on. I also want to put September 3rd on your calendar if you are in the Portland, Oregon area. It has been a while since I have uh, done any Dan Cable Presents billings of music. It's something I used to do a little more frequently before the pandy, putting some shows together. But my friends in a band called Harper's from Salt Lake City are coming through that weekend to play the uh, Walnut Music Festival in McMinnville on September 4th. So uh, I'm excited to be hosting a show for them over at Mississippi Pizza, the Atlantis Lounge on September 3rd. They're a really killer folk psych rock band from salt lake city and i met jacob who fronts the band about five years ago i was managing a band and we were rolling through salt lake city and i was uh, looking for someone to link up a show there and i stumbled upon harper's music and have been in talks with jacob ever since they put together this really great show for us out in provo when we went through there and uh, just Someone I've kept up with over the years. It's one of those very cool parts of tour when you uh, you don't anticipate meeting certain people on the road, and then then becoming someone that you uh, you keep up with over the years. And, jacob is one of those uh one of those folks that i've met on the road and one of those very cool relationships that was uh, created out of that so excited to be hosting them september 3rd at mississippi pizza here in portland and joining the bill lovely duo is going to open that is Maurice spencer from Maurice and the stiff sisters if you're familiar with that band and also honora who uh, both of them played together in Ezra bell for a little while and they are doing this duo i'm very excited to hear them sing together they both have great voices and i'm sure it's just going to be a beautiful way to open the evening and then also on the bill closing out the night is rum river cult if you are familiar with that sarah parsons project excited to have them as well it's going to be a a great night and uh i really would love to just pack this place out for for harper's making the drive all the way from salt lake city and just want to throw a really cool show for them so uh if you're around that's going to be a cool night to support some music and uh, i will uh i will keep hammering that date into your mind as we we get closer and also i expect around that time to be announcing the fifth annual dan cable presents holidays party get that rolling once again we've missed the last couple years because of the pandemic i was thinking about doing it last year but last winter was still kind of off and on with things so decided to put it off another year but I've got some bills in the works, some things in my head, and I'm excited to, uh, to get that thing resumed as well.
1: I'm lost here in the land of milk and honey, I guess it's been a while since you last heard from me. The roof is caving in and the walls are crumbling, and you can't buy bread with honest money.
0: Just had another amazing weekend at the Pickathon Music Festival that takes place just outside of Portland in Happy Valley, Oregon. So that's what you get getting this week. I just wanted to take some time to reflect on the weekend little Pickathon diary episode. It is uh this festival that I've had the supreme opportunity and privilege to host interviews with bands for the Pickathon archive and their YouTube channel for the past few years minus 2020 and 2021, but it was so great to be back out there. It has just uh such a different vibe than any other festival that I've been to, and the camping that takes place on the grounds isn't really removed from the areas of the music. The paths are within five to ten minutes of uh, where the stages are, so you can hear the music clearly from your tents and campgrounds throughout the day and the night, and uh, I think since it had been a couple years... That maybe I, I had kind of forgotten what that feeling was like to be walking through the woods at night and all these string lights everywhere. And it's just this pretty unreal experience that I know tons of work goes into. And the festival's been going on 20 plus years. So just appreciate the hell out of all the staff and the volunteers that make this thing happen year after year. And it was maybe the hottest pickathon that I had personally attended. But even through the heat, it could not lose its charm. And, and typically it felt like there was only a few hours of peak heat on Saturday and Sunday, and then things cooled down pretty quickly at night. So I just wanted to jump on the mic this morning and, and kind of reflect back on my Thursday through Sunday at Pickathon, doing interviews with artists, catching up with some people I hadn't seen in a while, and and just seeing a ton of music every day waking up to music set starting around you know 11am or noon and going all the way till till 2 in the morning on certain stages and i will put the picathon link in the episode notes so you can keep up with the festival if you are interested in attending or volunteering for the 2023 picathon you can keep up with the dates and the lineup for that but i will uh i will say this up top of the episode Believe the hype of pickathon. I really feel like it's this thing that you experience once, and and you have to just uh, you got to keep coming back because there's no way for me to like really properly explain this experience. But I will do my best to uh to kind of sum it up, or at least what my experience was this past weekend. And I know a lot of uh, things have kind of like changed setup wise. While the festival was down the last couple of years and regular attendees maybe had to adjust to some new fields of the festival. And I think those are sometimes things, you know, it's tough to get past those things when you become accustomed to certain stage setups and whatnot or just like the order of operations and, and whatever. But one of the things that I found important this year was to surround myself with some folks that had never been to Pickathon and never experienced what it was or hadn't been in a long time maybe because for them they were just kind of immersed in the magic of pickathon and, and had nothing to compare it to. And that energy helped me kind of like put things in perspective for me at times when I was nostalgic for certain things that weren't there anymore. But man, I was so excited to be back out there. I felt like I had been waiting since the, the end of the 2019 pickathon to, to be back out. On Pendarvis Farm. And I was just so excited to have the opportunities to record these interviews again. And also just to get to see music in such a, a unique setting. You know, there's one thing to get to see music on an outdoor stage, but to get to see it kind of set up throughout the woods and to see all these art installations that they kind of put throughout the grounds. It really kind of reminds you of of how much the atmosphere and environment kind of affects maybe how you hear things even. Or if you see a band during the daytime and then see them at night and how different those experiences can be. Or if you see them at an indoor venue and one of the indoor venues at Pickathon is the legendary galaxy barn and i feel like some of the most fun music to see at the galaxy barn is stuff that is super heavy and leans maybe punk rock and psych rock things of that nature always feel really great in that galaxy barn especially late at night and i got to see some bands this year that i wasn't familiar with and some that i was but on friday night I saw one of the standout performances for me from a band that I wasn't familiar with, nor their sound. I just saw the name and where it was happening and what time it was happening and something pulled me in that direction telling me that it wasn't something that I was going to want to miss. And that was Frankie and the Witch Fingers. There was a circle pit and just so much movement in the crowd. and. That energy just always brings such a big smile to my face and really hits the punk rock kid in me heavy when that psych rock, punk rock energy just makes people move in that way. And the Galaxy Barn is definitely that intimate small club environment where that music just feels so good. no idea what to expect but i think that's just like the beauty of pickathon overall and i've talked about that a lot over the years and i think many take away a similar experience and why people keep coming back to pickathon every year and why artists have so much desire to play this festival is because you go into it not knowing who many of the artists are and you leave with five favorite new bands and for me this year Frankie and the Witch Fingers were definitely one of those artists that uh, I will pay attention to heavy now, and I've already been going through all of their records, checking out their recorded tunes, trying to keep an eye on when they're going to come through town and whatnot, so check out Frankie and the Witch Fingers. I've been listening a lot to their Zam record, which I think came out in like 2019, but Yeah, a lot of uh, of music to go through for them. The Frankie and the Witch Fingers uh, Instagram will be in the episode notes along with uh, all the other artists that uh, I touch on in this episode. A couple other bands that tapped into that punk rock spirit for me this year were Automatic, also from L.A., who were on Stone's Throw Records, one of the baddest record labels in the land. And I think Automatic just have this really unique sound that seems to be shaped by them being a three-piece with no guitar, just synth, bass, and drums, and their songwriting is just killer, and the way the vocalists play off each other is rad and I think because there's no guitar it just seems to lean really groovy and spacey and I got to see them play a couple times including once on the Cherry Hill stage which is rad because it's always different every year it's built by students who attend Portland State University who are in a particular engineering program so it is uh, it's built by a new class every year and it's always rad to see what they do and this year it was uh looking pretty great out there so i saw automatic out there and then i also got to see them do one of their film sessions where it's not open to the general public and it's called the slab and again always a different uh, backdrop out there and that's always one of the cool things about pickathon is the, the subtle changes to certain things and it's been the same crew out there the last few years recording and filming those particular sessions so it's always nice to run into nick and sarah out there and sarah was kind of like texting me throughout certain days letting me know who was performing out on the slab so we went and watched automatic over there as well which was rad it's cool to see the drummer come off the kit every once in a while and uh, jump on the, the drum pad and giving it those uh, electro-pop kind of vibes at times to go along with the, uh, the punk rock energy of that band as well. So they've got a couple records out, including one from this year called XS and uh, Skyscraper, one of my favorites off of that one. I saw quite a bit of music from L.A. this weekend. One of the bands I got to interview this year was Feels from L.A., and I actually talked to them while I was interviewing them about how they felt like the city of Los Angeles maybe infected or informed their sound at all, and Automatic and Frankie and the Witch Fingers, both being from L.A., while well, I don't necessarily think they sound the same, there does seem to be a similar spirit or this common thread Um, within their sounds that maybe resonates or or feels LA to me. But uh, typically I would say my interview prep and podcast prep is mostly informed from just listening to the music and trying to check out live performances, whether at shows or YouTube videos. And I try to let that Lead my ideas of questioning or jumping off points as much as possible. I will sometimes read or skim written pieces or bios maybe to find things to try to expand upon or just for general knowledge of who I'm talking to. And I think I do that to try to keep things feeling as conversational as possible. I try not to ask a lot of questions that I already know the answer to. I think it feels maybe a little boring to me Unless I think it's necessary or I want to dive deeper into something they have already shared or if it's necessary for providing context. So I've got feels out at our interview area, which was multiple locations around the grounds that we scouted out this year. One of them being this giant snail, this art installation that was the Recycocillabin snail, and it had some couches in it. It should come out pretty cool on camera, and there's some pictures of it on my Instagram feed. But... I'm hanging with the band, everyone's getting mic'd up, and I was talking with Lena, who's the lead singer of the band, and she mentioned something like, that's funny because we're not even a band anymore, and minutes before we were supposed to start recording, I found out that they had broken up about a year ago, but they had already signed on to play the Pickathon Festival for what would have been the the 2020 or 2021 Pickathon, but they were all still homies and thought it would be fun to play Pickathon because one of the members, Amy, had been out to Pickathon in past years. So I spent the next three minutes while they were getting mic'd up calling some audibles on my planned discussion with the band and just reworked what I had intended to talk to them about and ended up being one of the most fun interviews I got to do all weekend. And just in general, I had Like this rare occasion to interview a band that had already not just announced that they were breaking up, but already had. And basically, we just got to deconstruct the band a bit and talk to them one year removed or so from breaking up. And it was rad. They were stoked to be playing a few shows and felt special that maybe i got to see their last two sets as feels and they all seemed to be so happy to be sharing the experience together and getting to play some of the new songs that they had recorded during the pandemic and that they'd really never gotten to tour and there just seemed to be a lot of shared love between all of them and i mentioned to them that i thought it was very cool that they were able to recognize and call their own endpoint to the band before it maybe crashed and burned and became this bitter thing in a way that didn't feel as mutual and uh there are a lot of projects within the group that make up feels so dig into those tunes and and thanks to them for hanging out and just being so willing to talk about the the status of their band and what made it special and you're listening to one of their most recent recordings called Nightwalker instrumentalist and songwriter Rachel Bayman this weekend about uh, imposter syndrome when I had the chance to interview her and I think that I feel that imposter syndrome at times on different levels and that whole experience with Fields finding out so late in the game the information of their band status and then being able to quickly make necessary adjustments and just roll with it and just let the flow of the chat lead the conversation I think was a moment of me in gaining confidence in what I do as an interviewer or facilitator of these conversations and recognizing within myself that I'm not a complete sham or an imposter and I think I've learned quite a bit over the years and especially with these pickathon interviews they work such a different muscle because often I only have 10 to 15 minutes to chat with these artists so it's much more condensed from the long form that I typically do on the podcast. And with these on camera pickathon interviews, it's more kind of mining for short clips that they're going to cut up into their live performances at pickathon. So sometimes it can be a little more rapid fire, or be under uh, very tight time constraints. But I think it is definitely. A good challenge for me, and I'll, I'll put some links to uh, some of the previous year's interviews so you have some context for what I'm talking about if you want to check out some of those. And just in general, the the Pickathon YouTube is amazing. They have so many live performances from over the years, some that I have gotten to be there for that I have watched multiple times since I spent so much of the pandemic just watching Pickathon live performances so check out what they've got going on over there but got to see a lot of amazing music this weekend and just once again the magic of pickathon was in full effect ever since i got to work this festival in 2017 it has been the thing that i most look forward to as summer goes on and i've missed this experience so much the last two years it was uh so amazing to be back out there and see a lot of familiar faces and also get to introduce some people to their first pickathon experience, which was really rad. I got to work all weekend with my friend Forrest Brennan, who is a killer videographer, editor, and just does some crazy shit with 360 video. But I met Forrest probably about four to six months into doing this podcast, which was six years ago. Sorry, I got some I got some dust in my uh my system still from the old Pickathon experience. That is, that is uh that's just part of the thing. If you're going out to Pickathon, you're going to get some some dust in you and uh, but I met Forrest about 6 years ago and uh, I met him through this local band at the time Bitter Buddha. I think they were maybe episode 13 of the podcast. I'd gone to one of their shows. And one of the band members introduced me to Forrest, and I remember he did some video work. And right around that time, I needed a new videographer to fill in for the sessions we were filming at the time at Mountaineer Studios in the Brooklyn neighborhood. And the podcast at that time was done in studio with an interview and songs played throughout. So Forrest came out and started around episode 30 or so and pretty much shot every video on the YouTube channel since then a majority of those studio sessions and also worked on this short doc i made on tribe mars together and some live podcasts just a really fucking sweet dude that i don't get to see as often as i used to but pickathon was looking for some new videographers this year and i threw forrest's name in the mix and the day before the festival forrest texted me and told me he was going to be filming my interviews all weekend and it was his first pickathon so it was special to share some of the weekend with him. And I got to see Jesse Newell up there. And he had filmed my Doug First sessions a few years back that Forrest worked on. So it was great to see him up there working with the pump house sessions, which I think is probably one of the coolest spots on the pickathon premises. It's uh, hidden up this path, not accessible to the general public. And I always explain it as this living room in the forest. And they film video sessions with artists up there, and it's just this cool place to hang out and see who's playing. And I always see Joe Bowden up there directing those sessions. But it was great to run into Jesse up there. Was happy he got his first pickathon in because, like I said, I think it's one of those things when you get that opportunity, it's something you want to keep doing year after year, and uh, you just kind of keep hoping that they they call your number each year. And uh, for me, it's just special to be in a position every once in a while where I now get to recommend someone for a spot there because I got into the position I am up there because someone unknowingly to me at the time threw my name into the mix. And that person was Chris Young, who I had like this beautiful unplanned run in with on Friday night out there at Pickathon. I was sitting on the grass near the front of the paddock stage watching this amazing set from Margot Sickler, who's from the Portland area and is on local label Fluff and Gravy Records, which was uh, one of my favorite sets of the weekend. And toward the end of the set, I look to my left and sitting like one person over from me is Chris Young. And for anyone that follows this podcast regularly, you've heard me mention this dude over the years as someone who has given me a lot of cool opportunities and just really boosted what I was doing with the podcast in the Portland area. And he's just a great dude. And the creator of vortex music magazine just love him so much. But I remember being at an event in like late spring, early summer of 2017 and talking with Chris. And he was like, I put your name in to be one of the hosts of the pickathon interviews. And at that time I was still kind of unaware what exactly pickathon was. I had heard the name, but wasn't super familiar But he was like, you're going to love it. And yeah, man, I've been doing the interviews ever since that summer of 2017. And I hadn't seen Chris prior to Friday night in at least three years. And I just told him like, yo, thank you so much. It's so cool to run into you out here. I'm not out here if it wasn't for you throwing my name in the mix. And I don't get to be out here with my friends and my crew without you. So it was a special moment of the fest for me to have that reunion with him and get to share, pass that opportunity to other people is is really a gift. And to get to, like, tell him that in person was really nice. So that was my big sentimental moment of the festival. And if you like singer-songwriters and you don't know about Margot Sickler, get with it. Her set was just really amazing. It was the first time I got to see her play live and then to cap it off with seeing Chris there at the end was something that just made that a a pretty memorable moment of my weekend. other person that I wasn't familiar with prior to the lineup of the festival being announced was Cassandra Jenkins and I had the opportunity to interview her and see her play right beforehand and that was an impactful set and chat as well just powerful to chat with people that that seem to expose so much through their music and their performance and i thought we tapped into a lot of cool stuff in the the short time that we had to chat she's got this record called an overview on phenomenal nature that has just so many beautiful moments on it that i got to see in the live setting including this new bikini track and it was rad to talk to her about all the different field recordings that she's got going on and she's got this history of playing in a family band and just this uh this very musical family that she still plays tunes with here and there with when uh, when she's back at the house with her folks which is uh really cool to hear about but these songwriters and these artists that share so much of themselves through the music is is always a very impactful thing to me and i remember Sandra's set on that Thursday afternoon being one of those uh, those ones that hit heavy. It was also, I think, the, the first performance I really got to hang out and watch of the, the festival as well.
1: After David passed away, my friends put me up for a few days off the of Norway and every morning they'd say, baby, go jump in
0: She's also got this song called Michelangelo, which she sang a Ninja Turtle reference to, which was dope because it's not in the actual recorded version of the song. And I've never really gone deep on superheroes, but Ninja Turtles was my favorite thing as a kid and something that I think definitely bonded myself and my, my oldest friend in this lifetime, my brother Trent. We've, uh, we've been friends since we were five, 32 years. Of friendship it's wild to think about but for the past three pickathons I've been able to invite Trent out to be on my crew doing PA work as well as snapping behind the scenes photos and it's also dope because Trent is one of those people that I will trade music back and forth with pretty regularly and we both like some things that lean left of center and are pretty far out sometimes like jazz and psych rock. And this year, one of the bands we were hyped to see was Sons of Kemet. And we saw them last night on the closing night of the festival together. He watched their other performance one of the previous nights as well and, and said it was just absolutely mind-blowing. And uh, it did not disappoint. I had never seen anything quite like it. Two drum sets, two drummers, and uh, two horn players, and the sound they put out is just unreal i think we were uh i think we were all just blown away that the tuba is capable of making those sounds and uh they're a band who have also announced that they're breaking up soon and that these were their last u.s shows so i think it also felt like that emotion was in the air so that felt monumental but yeah trent aka sleepy t aka two scoops and i got to uh, experience a lot of amazing music together this weekend and uh to have my childhood friend out there i think is a, a special touch and someone to keep me grounded at times out there in the in the magical forest but sons of Kemet. Hey everybody, I just wanted to take a minute to let you know that this episode of the podcast is sponsored by North 45 Pub, located in the Alphabet District of Northwest Portland. They've got a killer selection of Belgian beers and an extensive liquor wall of over 200 bottles. It's summertime and they've got their 45th Paloma on the menu, their play on the Paloma, as well as their staple food item, the rosemary garlic fries, which are easily my favorite thing on the starter's menu, that fry sauce... I don't know what it is, but it's banging, and in addition to the cocktails and the food, they've got one of the best patios in the city, tons of big screens outside to enjoy the sun and all your favorite sports, and the best part is they've also got free live music. You can catch DJs there every Tuesday night from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., residencies from local artists including Spinach. Vanport, Sicko Side, and WWJP, as well as DJs and Beatmakers every Sunday from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Don't miss local Beatmakers, Love Jones and Free Tillman every second Sunday, and DJ Slim Guinea every fourth Sunday at North 45 Pub. Now let's get back to the episode. Very cool to, uh, to have the opportunity to, to see them play. Before that band dissolves, and their music is just such a trip. And halfway through their set, they brought up Esperanza Spaulding, who is just a heavy, heavy musician, and from the Portland area. And she came out and got on the mic, and uh, maybe like some of the most beautiful things that I have uh, I have heard come out on the microphone, and just so impressive that she is able to uh, just insert herself in in music of this nature in the way that she did was, uh, again, just just absolutely mind-blowing. A couple of the things that I was most excited to see on the Pickathon lineup this year were Wet Leg and Goth Babe. The Wet Leg performance was so amazing, easily amongst my top three sets of this year's Pickathon. They sounded great even having to work through some technical issues and just appreciated the way that uh, that they carried through them the songs sound great on the records but to see it live and the crowd going nuts was killer and I just loved all of their dance moves and it was just so much fun and their performance really just kind of displayed how heavy their music can be but balanced with this fun punk rock attitude and cool mix of pop and new wave all coming together and my girlfriend and i talked a lot this weekend about inspired performances and yeah if there's a few that stand out wet leg have to be up there for me like i'm going to the record store today to buy their vinyl and I will plan to be at every Wet Lake show that comes to a city near me. Can't stress how good I thought their set was, and then I also just appreciate that they took the time to play the festival, because I know that it couldn't have been easy schedule-wise for them, and typically every artist plays at least two sets over the course of the festival, but... That was the only day that they could play, so it's rad that they came out just for that one set, and they were quickly out of there, but easily amongst my favorites of the weekend, and they've got this banging self-titled record out that you should definitely give a listen to. It was super sweet to have ruby out there with me she grew up going to pickathon with her mom but hadn't been out there in more than 10 years probably and she hadn't been out since her mom passed and her mom used to be a volunteer at pickathon and was friends with a lot of the long timers so it was really nice to share that experience with her and i could tell it had an extra special weight knowing her uh, her mom loved that festival so much and it was our uh, first time getting to go together but the thing she and i were looking forward to most was seeing goth babe and griff and his band could only be there for one day as well which was yesterday the closing day of the festival because they had played the hinterland festival out in iowa the day before but they went all in and agreed to play two sets in one day, which was rad, and we went to both and there's like six different stages throughout the grounds at Picathon and we got to see him once in the afternoon in the wood stage, which is legendary and the stage that is furthest into the forest and literally in the woods, it's incredible. So we saw the Goth Babe set during the day from side stage and that was one of our favorite sets of the festival. I'd been wanting to see Goth Babe for a long time so to get to see him play twice in one day in much different atmospheres was rad and to see how much fun that dude has on stage with the crowd and how much life he brings to the party just made me super happy and his interactions with the crowd throughout It was just like the coolest afternoon party that you could have been at with beach balls and crowd surfing and dancing and goth babe tracks, especially sometimes has been just a staple of my DJ sets along with other tracks of theirs, but just amazing to see them play twice in one day and cool to know how long Griff had been wanting to play that festival, having spent a long time living in Oregon and... He's since moved, but it seemed like a special thing to him, and that just had infectious energy with the crowd. And again, just those two different atmospheres. We saw him play during the day, this very vibey afternoon dance party. And then at 11 p.m. that night, the band played again and played a little bit of a different set we stood like five people back from the the stage on that one and just to experience it at different times of the day and just feel like what a different kind of party it was 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 a very cool experience and and well worth the wait to to see goth babe also just an artist up there on the list of common musical interests between ruby and i so it was rad that we both got to witness that for the first time together so thank you to goth babe griff is definitely on the bucket list for podcast guests so hoping maybe we can make that happen in the future but there's something about sitting side stage or standing side stage for shows and getting to see the crowd's reaction that is so fun to witness so pickathon you uh you did it again thank you so much once again for having me out there this festival and the experience means the world to me this festival has exposed me to so many of my favorite bands over the years and has also created friendships with certain people very grateful for the opportunities that pickathon has given me and i can't encourage people to check out this festival enough especially if you're in the portland area get on those volunteer signups quickly and stay tuned for pickathon 2023 and for the video series to roll out from this past weekend on the pickathon YouTube channel, like I said, I'll put all those links in the episode notes for the artists that I mentioned throughout the chat, so you can keep up with them. Also, just check out the Pickathon lineups from this year, previous years. It will expose you to a lot of new music, and uh, it really has been hitting on all genres as well, which really keeps the festival exciting all weekend. If you were there for uh, all four days, which I recommend you get that Thursday pass. You do, you do that early day. You kind of, uh, you know, you get the, the lay of the land. You get to see a little bit of music that first day, and then you get to really see the people pour in over the weekend. So I am, uh, I'm exhausted, but uh, well worth the exhaustion to see the amount of music i got to see this weekend and all of uh all of the good hangs we're going to shift gears a bit here to play us out this was uh officially announced by the artist himself last week but outside of my pickathon excitement I've had some other things lately that have uh, got me really stoked, and that is the official announcement that I am now the manager of one of my favorite Portland-based artists and past guests of the show, Isabeau Waiu-Walker. I've been following Isabeau since I met her at an open mic like six years ago, and she was, I think episode 71 or something like that of the podcast there's a video session from that episode still some of my favorite performances from those uh video sessions that we did but we have become friends over the years and i've been a longtime supporter and i've had the opportunity to be a part of her council of people over the years for certain projects and honestly I've wanted to talk with her about this possibility for a long time so I threw myself into the fire and brought up the idea to her and I just kind of needed her to know I think that if she was thinking about working with anyone that I'd love the opportunity to be that person and now we're trying to build with one another so Isabel. Thank you for trusting in me and I undoubtedly believe in you as a person and in your music and it's a fucking really special thing to me to get to work with you in this way. So to celebrate that new partnership, I want to play a track off of her new record Body that uh, just came out. Recently that she made with the help of uh, Ryan Oxford, who also recorded her previous release, better metric and uh, body is out on all of the things, including vinyl. So get your copy now and check out her tunes. Keep up to date on future shows of hers. I'll be back next week with your regularly scheduled program in conversation with a band from Seattle, Washington called Shimmer Traps this is Shared Fire from Isabelle's Body Record that's the Jelly Jams and we will catch you on the flip side of Portland or wherever you are listening from
1: school prison yard I thought the world would end Watch out for 2,000 Bots won't know it to quit We face off.
0: Give a big shout out to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Can't say thank you enough to DistroKid for their longtime support of this thing. Make sure you go into the episode notes and find that DistroKid link to receive 30% off your first year of membership, making their already affordable prices even cheaper for you. So make sure you take advantage of that. You can also find the link in my link tree in my Instagram bio. Big thanks to Distro Kid and the other sponsors of the show, Produce Row Cafe and North 45. Stay up, stay tuned.